Hello, welcome everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Cashew Podcast channel. My name is Stacy Geringer and I am the Outreach Director at the Center for Advanced Studies in Child Welfare. We are excited to share our latest podcast series with you. The series is titled Early Development and Child Welfare and features interviews with a variety of professionals in the fields of early childhood and child welfare. Listeners will enjoy content related to attachment, culture, screening, brain development, infant mental health, and more. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel for future episodes. Thank you for listening and take care. Welcome, Kim. We are so thrilled to have you here and get to talk with you a little bit about the work. Uh, We should probably introduce ourselves and, and say hello. So, my name is Faith Edson. I'm the Quality Assurance Director for the Alliance for the Advancement of Infant Mental Health and excited to be getting to talk with you about your work today. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, sure. Hi. Uh, Thank you so much for having me today, and I'm really looking forward to talking with you as well, Faith. Um, I'm Kim Ethel. I'm a manager of strategic initiatives for Allegheny County's child welfare system, and I um, founded and run a nonprofit called Footbridge for Families, and I have my endorsement uh, in in the policy category. Wonderful. Thank you. And I'm sure we're going to get to hear lots more about your work as we talk today. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm wondering if we could begin with you just giving us a little background on um, your path in social work and child welfare um, in your field. Sure, sure. Um, so I actually um, really in earnest began work in government I'm looking for a PhD topic actually for um, my 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 PhD in political science um, about eight, nine years ago. Um, I had studied comparative social policy um, uh, shortly after college. I studied ethics, politics, and economics as an undergrad, uh, worked in management consulting, and had begun as a volunteer um, uh, trying to find a way to support youth aging out of the foster care system in New York City. Um, And so I went over to Oxford and studied um, comparative social policy and looked at the foyer model that had been developed in France and was gaining some traction in Europe, um, which was really a, a look at subsidized housing for youth aging out of foster care where they could also find employment, um, work on professional development type skills, um, and just have a bit of a softer launch into adulthood from the system. Um, And that really, I think, sparked my interest in just the the intellectual history of social policies. And so that was how I began to pursue um, my, my PhD. And Um, I came to uh, the Pittsburgh area, not really sure what I wanted to write about, but but knowing that I I did like um, the realm of um, child welfare policy, family policy, and so began my work at the Department of Human Services as a senior advisor. Um, And while there, quickly um, began doing work in the infant mental health field, not even really knowing, I think at that point uh, that it was. <laughs> um, I helped develop a coordinated referral system for our county's many different um, home visiting programs. And then I worked with the director of the health department um, to go and do um, conversations with medical residents and um, 
established pediatricians about the ACEs study, um, just to help educate them about the importance of early childhood experiences and letting them know that we have home visiting. It's a free voluntary service and how they could utilize this coordinated referral system that we had established for them um, so that they could help refer families and, and they could benefit from it's really wonderful evidence-based meaningful intervention. Um, and from there, uh, we as a county had applied for a project launch with the state um, and were awarded that grant. And so that was really, I would say, when, um, you know, my work more in earnest back in 2016 uh, began um, to, to promote mental health in Allegheny County. Yeah, so I hear this story a lot. You were promoting infant mental health before you knew you were promoting That's infant right. mental health, right? And you now you have some of the words, and we'll talk about that, you know, some of the context and theory and all of that behind it. Absolutely. That's great. So we're here today to talk about the infant mental health credential and the courses that you took. So I'm curious, what led you to be interested in going through those courses and earning that credential? Great. Well, so um, I uh, was the coordinator of our local grant implementation, um, and one of our early and big decisions with the project launch grant monies um, had been to purchase the license to use the endorsement system in our state. Um, and so we had five different work groups dedicated to the different um, course strategies of that grant. And for our work group dedicated to the advancement of early childhood mental health professional development, um, as we began to think about, you know, how do we really operationalize having the ability to now endorse individuals, um, we began to look for, you know, what coursework we might use to support that endeavor. And uh, we have, you know, a wide variety of professionals who were able to share that they had certain competencies, maybe lacking in certain areas, um, and some who you know, we just didn't have the language to speak at, at all. And so the credential, because it does crosswalk so directly to endorsement, um, was just a wonderful choice for us. The fact that it was done um, through asynchronous learning for the most part and could be done online really supported our ability to pull together a large cohorts of cross-system professionals to undertake this learning together, um, which really was just wonderful. We still locally you know, have um, infant mental health breakfast, or at least we did before the pandemic, mm. um, you know, but we certainly broadened our um, audience by virtue of, of offering these cohorts the opportunity to take the credential together. So, um, yeah. and I myself pursued it um, because I think that, you know, as I just acknowledged, I was had been doing work to advance infant mental health, but without the, the language and the knowledge. And I really wanted to just, take the time to uh, understand the richness of this field um, so that I could be better poised to talk about it with others and to really lead project launch as, um, as thoughtfully as I could. Wonderful, thank you. So if you had to describe your main takeaways, both individually for you as a professional and maybe as well for your role as a systems builder, right? And an advocate, um, what, how would you describe those, the main takeaways from the credential? Mm. I think the emphasis on um, relationships and how uh, really everything in, in life is built up upon in, in the context of relationship has just been 
um, such an important um, kind of nugget of wisdom that I have carried, I think, in just just about everything from parenting to my relationship with my friends and family to, of course, my work professionally. So. Mm. Absolutely. Could you talk a little bit more about that takeaway and how you've noticed it impact, you know, the systems that you're working with and leading um, the professionals who have gone through this credential, thinking about relationships and relationship based practice? Have, have you noticed that takeaway show up in, in those folks as well? Absolutely. So I think, you know, um, one of the more exciting early projects that we did with Project Launch um, in the child welfare field um, was actually taking that um, aha insight that, you know, infants in the womb actually can hear. Right. Um, And so, you know, we and for um, child welfare workers, that was a huge aha to be able to share with them. Um, You know, we unfortunately with child welfare are oftentimes removing children right at birth. And there's um, a broad um, misconception that, you know, a, a brand new infant baby certainly wouldn't have any attachment to their birth parents because they haven't been able to, you know, do a meet and greet and and whatnot. And so being able to help, uh, I think we found one really wonderful video where um, a newborn had been, you know, really, really crying hard and then um, began to, you know, slowly settle because they could hear the father's voice talking to her or him. I can't remember what sex the child was. Um, and just beginning to settle and then finally actually opening, you know, their their little eyes and kind of like fixating, like, I, I know you, you know, and um, that, you know, moments like that, um, these aha moments that the infant mental health field holds can really be impactful because all of a the sudden then, you know, caseworkers, instead of saying, well, you know, we don't need to even do a phone call with the on speaker. Um, we're we're actually saying, you know, to a support attachment, you know, we should be thinking about however it may be, even if it's just hearing a voice, that that can be really meaningful for a child. Um, and we spent some of our lunch dollars on buying um, different books uh, for, you know, the kind of like the like zero to one, one to two and, and so forth and getting um, a copy for a birth parent and then a, a, a foster parent and put together a little pamphlet that kind of just described these core insights of, of that infant mental health tells us, you know, that, that infants and young children do recognize um, voice and that it can be soothing and what can co-parenting actually look like, you know, where uh, both a birth parent and a foster parent can just help that child connect the dots that whether I'm here or whether I'm there, you know, I kind of can contract triangulate between these caretakers and feel secure. Um, uh, so that's just, I think, one um, concrete example that points to my uh, reference of relationships. I mean, I think, um, you know, so much of the work that we've begun to do in child welfare it continues just to be built on this idea of what insights can our staff have um, when they're engaging with maybe uh, a difficult parent, you know, to help them think about maybe what did that parent themselves experience as a child growing up that makes them today who they are, right? Um, They didn't grow up in a vacuum. What relationships did they have um, that maybe, you know, early on in their childhood, they saw um, an angry adult in their life. And so those synapses that helped, you know, kind of keep them out of harm's way got really strengthened 
you know, but that maybe doesn't serve them as well anymore as an adult who looks at just a neutral face and thinks, oh, oh maybe there's danger there, right? You know, and mm-hmm. just helping to unexplain um, some of maybe the anxiety or depression or, or behaviors that adults can have that can be um, off-putting and just build in some of that empathy and compassion. Um, so that, you know, famous saying, what's not what's wrong with you, but what happened to you um, and, and being able to recognize the role that their early relationships may have played and then how that impacts their relationship with their child or even their relationship with the caseworker. Absolutely. You said so many important things in there. I have so many thoughts um, and what maybe we can piece apart, you know, you have such language now around, right? And so, you know, I'm guessing that this credentialing program is a part of that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, and I think it's a very thoughtfully designed program um, in that you know, it's not superficial. You you kind of, maybe you get like the first blush through the intro, but then you're able to take things really uh, um, deeper and, and um, ask questions and probe. And I mean, it's really made me, um, I think a lifelong uh, devotee to infant mental health. And, and, and in a weird way, I think infant mental health is a bit of a misnomer because I, it's really like human mental health, right? I mean, because it happens in early childhood, but it's the basis of basically all of our um, relationships so absolutely and we we are always learning and growing in the context of different relationships right so as you were just talking about you know this takeaway this big takeaway that was important to you relationship-based practice I was you, you were talking about a few different relationships that you see that playing out right so you see workers being able to look closely at the baby's experience of a relationship and then at the parents experience of the relationship both with the baby and with the worker and I was thinking about another I'll give you a story kind of another level of relationship that's been so important to me in working with child welfare systems which which is how we come together as professionals. And um, I, I often tell this story of someone I've been working with now for 15 years who works within child welfare. Um, but our first interaction was we were both supervisors and um, a couple of our beloved staff had had a conflict, right? Emotions are high in child welfare work. And you know, they were having some trouble in a team meeting and what had typically happened in systems are emails or just no one ever talks about it and everyone just keeps moving forward. But I was coming from an infant mental health lens and for me, relationships are kind of, you know, the birthplace of all things, right? As far as the work and and creativity and growth. And so, so I reached out to her by phone and we had a conversation and we came up with a plan together. I was very new in my position, so we didn't know each other well. Um, but after um, that conversation and we facilitated a conversation um, with the staff, I sent her a handwritten card in the mail and thanked her for her time. And, you know, I'll, you know, mentioned how hard I can imagine her work must be and, you know, I was just very grateful. And that started off a relationship of 15 years. We've done training together, consultation together. I mean, she continues to build um, reflective practice within her system. And so it's just an example of, you know, what, what the relationship-based takeaway that the infant mental health lens can offer us at all levels of relationship. Absolutely. No, I, I think, you know, t- to your point about um, 
the stress of child welfare um, is is so true and the relationships that staff can have with their supervisors or with their peers is just so important you know we had um, our early childhood mental health work group for project launch um, sitting around the table one day discussing you know how could we um, perhaps support staff with when they have to do a removal like what would be just some of the key things we would want them to remember in for the benefit of the child right um, and we are we're going about having this discussion and and one of um, uh, our, our, our Pennsylvania endorsed uh, individuals who now has also moved to child welfare along with me after lunch um, you know pointed out and said you know those workers their own fight and flight systems when they could you imagine having to remove a child from their parents is probably off the roof right and so that really pivoted um, enabled us to really pivot and lean in to some work that now, since Project Launch has ended, is beautifully unfolded, recognizing that, um, you know, for the caseworkers to be able to hold parents, to hold the children, right, they themselves need to be held. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we're pursuing um, vitality cafes, which will enable our caseworkers to come together in peer groups and talk about different domains of wellness um, and reflect on what's working for them, share you know, their experiences among peers to get some of that support, mm. um, to think about strategies and to really just um, acknowledge kind of what's been an elephant in the room, I think, mm. for child welfare. You know, there's um, a certain toughness of, the, you know, we don't have trauma. <laughs> We're tough, we can handle it, but there's so much, so much trauma experienced um, just by virtue of seeing the children and the families experience it, but then also the interactions that's unfortunately um, caseworkers have to go through with parents who are quite upset. Um. It sounds like a takeaway uh, for you from this credential too, and if you could talk about how you think this credential supports that, is the importance in relationship-based practice, how do we build relationships, right? The importance of openness, curiosity, and empathy, what it, and what it requires of us to have the space to be open, to be curious, to take on another perspective, right? That's a big part of relationship-based practice, but it's not always simple. And I think in the child welfare field in particular, I would say it's immensely more difficult for so many reasons, some of which you just said. So um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that in relation to the, you know, credential about, you know, how did the credential help you think about it in this way? Um, what kinds of resources and material did you come across? So, I, I mean, I think that the, the credential was incredibly valuable in laying out um, different touch points that could maybe make sense for different audiences, right? So, um, you know, being able to understand um, what reflective supervision is and, you know, to educate our own um, leadership in, within child welfare about what that would look like and then to be able to also I think you know part of part of the work for, at least in my own experience of bringing infant mental health principles into the domain of child welfare um, is having these kind of different hooks to potentially um, use to, to build things off of right and so um, you know being able to pilot reflective supervision with a, a we think we had about a dozen 
um, senior child welfare leaders who were able to experience it and then for them to be able to reflect back that by the virtue of the nature of the work and the speed and the lack of maybe enough um, foundational grounding in social emotional topics that something that was a little bit more peer-based for um, a day-to-day -day type of support for staff but then also having um, uh, someone available to offer something akin to reflective supervision but that maybe has a little bit more spoon feeding of the have you thought of this rather than just waiting for those the space and time for the aha moments because the practicality of child welfare is there's just not a lot of space and time everyone is part of the problem is the burnout and the too many things to do and the checklists and so you know i think um the the credentials coursework you know provided i think a variety of different um approaches to take and in, into talking about things in in the child welfare domain so i think another one um, that i think of is you know we've been able to um, do various lunch and learns and, and things of that nature for child welfare workers taking some of the content um, from the credential um, but then also recognizing you know we can't likely make every child welfare worker an infant mental health expert so how do we um, pull in the most important, I guess, so kind of like that example earlier about, you know, very early young infants actually do have attachment with with birth parents, right? So that, you know, had some system changes. Um, infant mental health and early childhood development is incredibly complex. And so helping our staff and leadership know that to say, you know, currently we're going to have um, this summer rolling out early intervention trained staff who are going to accompany our child welfare workers on investigations for children under the age of three. Um, you know, and one of the ways that we're getting buy-in from staff is letting them know, hey, this topic is incredibly complex. We've, you know, um, we'll do a, a one-hour lunch and learn and people are, you know, just starting to scratch the surface of questions that they have, you know, and it's that kind of insight maybe that this is a complex topic. I need to know more that's allowing them to say, you know what, sure, I'll slow down and coordinate my schedule to go out with this early childhood assessor because having them with me is going to help me understand you know, pre-verbal behavior of a child and what are, what am I seeing uh, with this parent-child interaction? You know, it's, it's nuanced, it's complex. And to have a professional who's well-versed in that is really um, going to be a benefit for that caseworker in trying to craft, you know, um, safety plans and plans that can ensure the well-being of that family. So I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. I think some of what you're you know, talking about is how do we get to a space of openness and curiosity, being willing to have another professional with us, right? And part, you know, knowing what we don't know, humility maybe is the word that's coming to mind. Right. Um, and so when we can be introduced to the complexity of infant mental health or really anything, right? Human development, um, our own humanness in a way that's respectful, in a way um, that doesn't put us on the defensive, but allows us to learn at our own pace, um, leaves us in that space of openness, right? Which is so important. None of us can know all the things. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> um, right. 
And so, uh, you know, how do we partner up, right? I, you know, I'm sure those early childhood folks who are going along with the child welfare workers do not know the child welfare protocols and procedures and policies inside and out in, in the way the child w- welfare worker does. And so how do we team up with our areas of expertise um, that honors both of our experiences and ways of knowing and being and doing uh, Absolutely. on behalf yeah. of these families? Yeah. Thank you. Are there um are there any other I mean you've you've touched on some pieces. Are there any other specific resources or lessons you remember from the courses um that were most helpful to you as you were thinking about your work and thinking about kind of building systems that were infant mental health informed? So, you know, I think um the idea of again harkening back to relationships um that to be in relationship is to be have that open empathetic and and, and curious mindset um but that there are stressors in life that can really um hamper that hinder that right Mm -hmm. and i think um just looking at the portfolio of supports and services that we really typically offer families across the the nation you know it is things like uh, home visiting, which is evidence-based. And, you know, you can have someone um, give you some insights into your child's development or model, you know, some behavior, help, um, you know, talk through whatever individual goals a family might have, or, um, you know, circle of security or parent-child interaction therapy. There's some wonderful um, services and supports that we can offer to families, um, but not many of them, um, are able to kind of mitigate caregiver stress, so to speak. And that is just such a significant factor um, in being able to kind of follow through with the the wisdom that we know, right? I mean, I we, before we started recording, we're talking about Dan Siegel and, you know, the, the flipping of the lid happens to all of us, even who have this, this education and have the credential, right? Um, and so I think for me, one of my takeaways was to think, you know, what are the levers that we could have um, to reduce parental stress um, just so that they can be their best selves and in context of relationship. Um, So, you know, I I joined the board of uh, Pittsburgh's only crisis nursery because for me, um, you know, that that is a a very concrete way that a family's stress could be alleviated if they really just need to um, have respite, you know, then that that is a way of alleviating stress. Um, I also founded um, a nonprofit called Footbridge for Families um, that enables uh, people who are working with a family, whether that's a pediatrician, it could be a child welfare worker doing an investigation, a home visitor, whomever. Um, But when they find a family um, facing a financial crisis, they can refer to Footbridge and we are able to provide up to $600 um, two third-party vendors, so electricians, car mechanics, um, landlords, uh, to alleviate a financial crisis to prevent it from escalating. Um, you know, and the goal with that really is to reduce caregiver stress. We're focused on families with children. Um, uh, you know, and then we of course offer additional referral assistance, ensure that families are enrolled in the programs that we do have to help um, shore up financial stability, you know, so utility assistance or food stamps, things that would increase a family's ability to survive on a, a, a lower paycheck. Um, 
but I, I think for me, um, being able to think more creatively, having the insights of, um, you know, some of just the main mechanisms at work. I think I heard this at a zero to three conference. Um, you know, if, if we can help families understand child development, um, if we can ensure the families just have the basic things that they need to survive, and if we can help alleviate caregiver stress, you know, those are three pretty important pillars to helping set the, the foundation for a parent to give it their best shot, you know, with raising their own kids. And so, um, that, that, that had a profound influence on me for, you know, I'm still an unpaid CEO for a nonprofit that I run in my free time. So, um, it, it certainly, um, inspired me. Yeah, that's very clear. Your work sounds incredibly inspiring. I think one of the things that I pulled from what you gained and moved forward with is hope. I think, hmm. gosh, in child welfare work, right? Where are the strands of hope in, in feeling empowered um, in, in big systems and when there's a lot of pain? And, and so information about what makes healthy relationships and what allows parents, right? The research is out there. Like you, you just cited kind of the three pillars, right? The research is out there about what supports parents and children and families and being successful. And one of, one of those big things is just external stressors, poverty, racism, right? All of those things. And so it sounds like you were able to take what you learned about, you know, how do babies develop? How do they develop in the context of relationships and what leads to resilience? What leads to um, the, that bounce back, right? Being able to manage adversity and you put it into action, right? So information can be so empowering too, where you feel like, wait, I know I'm doing good things and I know it because I learned these things, <laughs> not just because I feel like it, That's but I know that this is grounded in research and theory and knowledge. And, and I think feeling empowered and effective and competent in our work is so important. It's what keeps us going, right? So um, no, I hear absolutely. you gain that. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, the, the gratitude that I feel for this community, um, I mean, beyond, uh, you know, going through the, the, the credential, just the mentors um, that I've met along the way, it's just, it's a delightful community to, to be a part of. I'm, I feel very, very fortunate. That's wonderful. Yeah, we, I think we do try to have a professional home for those of us who think in, in this way, right, where you can find people who think and talk um, and it's that shared language. I think that's another thing, right? That, that that a credential like this offers. And I think, I don't know if you spoke about that earlier, but I don't know if you'd like to add to that about the value of having groups of people from systems as well, kind of participating together and how that improves practice. We, we spoke about that um, a great deal during launch that um, being able to have cohorts of cross-system professionals um, across Allegheny County really um, had just some nuanced benefits that we hadn't expected right off the cuff. Right? So, I mean, of course, um, being able to talk about a shared lens that really holds true regardless of fields, I think that's pretty exciting and just um, really elevating the importance of infant mental health. But I think that having some of these group discussions, whether they were written or whether we all came together on a Zoom during the credential, um, enabled um, different 
professionals to gain some empathy and compassion for those sitting kind of across from them. Um, I will say, you know, uh, there is a bit of a divide sometimes between child welfare and early childhood uh, behavioral health um, clinicians, just not fully maybe understanding the approach, the limitations, the boundaries, um, the, the, the challenges, everything, right, um, in these two spheres. And so I think that we did a lot of um, bridge building, so to speak, um, by virtue of having different types of professionals conversing together about shared important topics. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're doing a podcast so folks can't see you, but as you were talking about what happens when we don't have a shared language, you were kind of um, putting your two fists together. Like that can lead to butting right. up against each other, right? right? right. Conflict. Um, and as we find a shared way to communicate that speaks to our work um, and allows us, right, to bridge those conversations, maybe we have less of that that happens. That's yeah. Right. Which it only helps little ones and families, right? If we... <laughs> Absolutely, yes. The, the more collaboration that can happen, oh my goodness, the better it is for families. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, well, I, I'm curious, you know, if, if people are listening and they're interested in the credential, um, thinking about the courses, um, if you would talk a little bit about your experience of it, maybe just logistically, you know, accessibility and, you know, how you fit it in and what one could expect if they were to say, I'm doing it, I'm signing up, you know, here's, could you offer a little bit more description of maybe the kind of the concrete nitty gritty parts of, of what this, what it's like to go through this credential process? Sure, sure. Um, well, I, I think the credential itself is, is very professionally um, uh, organized and, and implemented, which I think is very, very important. So, you know, the, the professors that we had each took their um, responsibilities incredibly seriously. They all met their deadlines, um, but they were also very empathetic. And so, you know, I can remember not only was I um, a course participant, but I was also in, in a way the project manager of ensuring that all of these people successfully went through um, the credential program. And any time that, you know, a, a family emergency came up or, or whatever it may be, a, you know, a conflict of sorts, um, you know, we had professors who were willing to, you know, accommodate and work with our, our different students to make things um, possible, you know, and I would say that the course also is spaced out sufficiently that you're getting meaningful bite-size um, uh, kind of units of, of insight and, and work and um, substance, but not overwhelming, right? So that you really can, um, you know, if you just kind of keep on following the, the, the set calendar, you know, really get through the 220 hours, I think, is that how many it is? Um, I think that might be right. Um, so, you know, it, it wasn't overwhelming. Um, I think that given how organized it, it, you know, it is, the spacing, and I think um, it was just very thoughtfully um, organized in terms of the different courses and how they kind of scaffold on top of each other. So, I, I highly recommend it. I, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity um, to take it. I, I think um, 
this is one of those fields and topics that, you know, even having done um, the the credential and attended many conferences, I'm still ordering books. In fact, before we started recording, the three of us were talking about another book that I want to order. Um, so I think, you know, having the credential is really a gift in having space and time to dig deep into a, a heck of an important topic. Yeah, I think we can feel really um, powerless if, if we don't have that space and time to feel a sense of mastery, right, of, of our work, of what we're doing. That's right. Well, and I think one of the first things um, is, is this humility of you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm. I mean, and I think for me, I began doing this, you know, as still a, a fairly young mother with young children, right? And so um, I was very hungry to continue to, to learn and to make sure I, that what, what else am I not, don't I know or am I, am I missing? Because I realized um, how critical this information um, was and still is, not only to my work, but to being my most important job um, as a mother. Absolutely. And so I think this goes, I mean, you implied this, but it sounds like you were really able to also fit this into your already full life. I mean, you were working full time, it sounds like you had children and um, there was there was this as well. And you found a way, I don't know if you want to talk at all about how that was for you. I think that um, having the ability to do this online in an asynchronous way really um, supported that flexibility because, you know, I would take the time as I could find it. So if I, you know, got up at six before school, before the kids had to go to school, I could do a little bit then. Um, you know, if I could use a bit of my lunch break, I would. And, you know, uh, when the kids would, you know, after I put the kids to bed, then I could, um, you know, delve into into the work. And it really is um, fascinating work. So, you know, maybe I missed a couple TV series, but I I, <laughs> I definitely think of it. Uh, the time spent um, learning these things is just so enriching um, and meaningful and worthwhile. Yeah, I can tell from how you've described your work. Uh, is there anything else that you'd want to share about um, your experience of the credential program or kind of its impact on your work that, you know, we didn't yet cover? No, I think you've asked really um, comprehensive questions and it's just such a treat, pleasure to be able to talk about it. Um, I, you know, um, still am leading infant mental health work in what I do day to day. Um, but I don't get to talk about it as much. So uh, this has been a real treat for me to just be able to be reflective of the gifts that I've had and to encourage others to check out the credential if they're interested. I definitely think that they will um, not regret it. Thank you. It's a gift for us to hear about your work as well. You are doing beautiful things, right? With with what you've learned in furthering the field and supporting vulnerable um, families and and the workforce, those working with them. So thank you so much for sharing your work. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Early Development and Child Welfare podcast series. This podcast was supported in part by the Minnesota Department of Human Service Children and Family Services Division.